Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi there, I'm Brian Abana and you're listening to the Mall Over Codpost. Hello and welcome back to the Mall Over podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mall Over Podcast, Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook and all of our podcasts can be found on the Sports Social Network. Um, We're back, Um, not only are we back, we're back with all four of us, which feels like some kind of delight, so... In order of how they appear on my screen, welcome back, Phil. Hope you're well. Yeah, I am um, all right, thanks. Um, contrary to popular understanding, I am still alive. Oh, good. And um, back from South Africa, were you um, party to any massive South African centres? Uh, no, no. Um, I did see some fairly large wildlife, though. It's closest I got. Exciting. Um, and next to him is a nice guy in Cornish Rugby Podcasting, Ben Eustace. How you doing, Ben? Good, thanks, mate. Did you attend the Hornets dinner on Friday? I did not. Um, having heard some stories from the bus trip the week before, I thought it would it'd be wise to avoid. Yeah. That um, sounded like chaos. We can, we, can, we can mention that in a minute, actually. Um, I, I will talk a little bit about that. I didn't go, but I've seen some videos. Um, and also, um, I'd like to welcome back and thank Douglas for steering the ship to a certain extent while I was um, having some kind of existential crisis and literally wanting to just chuck all this shit in the bin. So thank you, Dougie, for uh, you and Ben putting some stuff out while I gallivanted across the world and or um, was being a sulky little twat. So, you know. Fair play, welcome no, back. No worries, mate. Now, I've just arrived at my first destination. I've got to unload some kits. I'll be back in two minutes. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> I, I don't really know what to make of that. Well, while, while we're waiting... Doug's, for... Doug's moonlighting for Hermes. Is he? Are they not called Hermes anymore? No, they're they? not. I think they're called they're any, not. Anywhere or Every Parcel or... Oh, f- fuck your parcel. Yeah, Let's... throw it in the bin. Um, but it, everything always has formerly Hermes in brackets, so everyone yeah. knows anyway. I mean, you know firsthand about Hermes, Ben, don't you? Or didn't um, didn't your good lady work for Hermes at one point? She did, yeah, yeah. She was uh, she was that, coordinating how, for them, believe it or is not. That how but, you how you met? Were you sat at home and, and she turned part, up at the wrong house? And a parcel <laughs> meant for someone in in Bodmin <laughs> turned up. No, she she worked for them through lockdown, um, but she's left now. So, and and quite glad of it. She is as well. I think. Good. Anyway, right. Well, we had Russ on the phone every five minutes trying to find his dog food. <laughs> trying to find my dog food. <laughs> That's all she did. <laughs> just located my dog food for ages. Um, and this is the type of you know rugby podcast material people join for, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um. So, 
tonight is going to be something sort of slightly different. Um, I know, Ben, you watched some rugby at the weekend. Um, probably wish you hadn't, but we, we'll come on to that in, in a little while because I think it is a... Um, it's a circumstance of a predicament we find ourselves in with general uh, rugby apathy. And I want to, to talk about how after making, and Doug made a point before we came on there, how after five years plus, I mean, nearly six years, I think, I think we're not far away from our sixth year anniversary, how for you know, middle-aged men who absolutely adore rugby and have played and and have become so apathetic about the sport in general. Um, and, you know, I am kind of talking for myself at the moment um, to the point where since the last time I recorded a podcast, and I can't remember when that was, I don't think I've watched more than five minutes of rugby. Because at the moment, I just feel like it's absolutely pointless. I didn't watch any of the European rugby. I've not watched any Premiership rugby. It happened to be on in the background when I was at uh, I was at Western Supermare Hornets yesterday for a um, uh, a veterans match against a tour inside from Horsham. That was good fun. They've got a will lose four four um, G pitches at Western Hornets, and it is really good fun to play on. Like, and, and I'll be on the side of happy with 4G, even with cut knees. Um, at one point, I even look quite fast. Um, but so, so to, to finish my kind of point, the, the London Irish game was on in the background. So I, I watched a little bit of that. But I just cannot, for the life of me, get excited for any sort of rugby at the moment. And it, and it's, I'm kind of heartbroken by it. Well, yeah, there's a lot of good points made there. And I'll be honest, I always feel a little bit flat when it comes to rugby post-Six Nations. I have a bit of a post-Six Nations um, dip with my love of rugby because you're going from what should be kind of the pinnacle of of rugby, international top-class top rugby, which is always a bit of a letdown. Um, and then going back to the Premiership, but I, I managed to watch a small bit of a couple of matches over the weekend, and I could have watched the, all of both the matches, but I watched probably the first 20 minutes of actual time of Gloucester Bath, which was about 10 minutes of actual rugby. Um, and I just thought, I can't waste my entire afternoon waiting for a TMO and a referee to make a decision on something that was clearly not even a penalty, let alone a yellow card or a red card. Um, that I think that is one of the major issues. And I know certainly it's it's something that um, Doug will have an opinion on. But, I mean, that that first initial yellow card for, for Morozov, for Bath, I can't remember who, was it Was it Carreras, Ben? I think it was. Um, but one of the Gloucester players jumps up to catch a ball and literally falls over. And Morozov's going to make a, a tackle at waist high, at waist height, and the guy's dropped into Morozov's shoulder and he gives him a yellow card. What, 
what on earth are you supposed to do if you can't tackle three foot off the ground without fear of getting a yellow card? The game's screwed. We yeah, may I as mean, well go and play touch. That well, that one was ridiculous, and and it was telling that even like Ugo in the commentary box just did, didn't think it was a yellow card. Um, Ugo in the commentary box, Ben. Ugo in the commentary box has been one of the prime reasons why rugby's in the state it's in. Well, yeah, exactly so the, my point. The hypocrisy of it all is just mind-blowing. They, they oh. want this really sanitised, safe game, yet as soon as the referee makes the decision based on their fucking propaganda, they're all up in arms about it. Well, yeah, exactly my point, really, Doug. Um, and, and there was a worse one later on because the Gloucester yellow card was even lower. Um, you know, it, he made it. Yeah, he made a tackle, and and his, you know, his wrist hit hit the Bath player kind of in the chin, but way below waist height, and and you know the referee then was like, well, because even the TMO was trying to talk him out of it, and uh, you know, he, he said, well, I, you know, to be fair to him, he's being consistent. He said, well, I've, I've I've done one in the first half. I've got to do one now. Who was um, the referee? Was it um, Ridley? Wasn't it Christoph Ridley? Yeah, Christoph. Um, you know, and, and it was, I mean, to be quite honest, you know, I think Gloucester scored three or four more tries after that, um, which is probably another conversation altogether, but, you know, it was, it was just a joke of a yellow card. And, and like Phil said, you had three, three tries in the first sort of 10 minutes where they went and had a look at it on video replay. And, you know, I think they were probably all rightly ruled out, but slowed the game down so much and as you say you, you, you'd hardly seen any rugby for the part by the time you got to 20 minutes and that's one reason it's unwatchable there's so many breaks do, do you remember when we when um we podcasted after um the first lockdown when rugby sort of came back and those first two weeks of matches were completely unwatchable and it was it was almost like a procession from one penalty to another yeah, I, yeah. I, I felt like a lot of games I've seen in the last week or so have been like that. I, both the games I watched sort of live over the weekend on the, on the telly, there was a penalty within 30 seconds, straight from the kickoff, there's a, a penalty. And they, you know, that's how t- the teams were moving up and down the pitch. Um, so, yeah, just, it's just being over-refereed. Oh, rugby has always had an element of area to win penalties. Oh. Can you hear me now, guys? Yes, mate. Yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah. So I was saying rugby's always had an element of teams trying to win penalties. But historically, particularly if you look at England, it's come from the set play, trying to win, win them from scrums, which is, was determined to be a negative tactic. But the number of penalties that are being given now and being given away means that there's something something seriously gone wrong between the RFU, the referees union, the coaches and the players. But this, this, because it's, it's stopped being a quality product when there's a penalty every 30 seconds. There's, there's so many ways to concede a penalty out of line out. It's, it, which is half the problem because, you know, you, you have a kickoff, a team wins a penalty, they kick it 30 yards down the pitch, straight from the line out, either, either someone makes contact in the air or something goes wrong at the ruck, straight away another penalty. So they've moved 60 metres down the pitch without any actual rugby being played. Um, and it, it, it's, 
you know, it's, it's, it's almost like watching golf. Well, it, well it, it is because that's what, that's kind of all that's happening because you've just got penalty kick for touch penalty kick for touch line out held up over the line goal line drop out penalty line out line out held up goal line drop out yeah precisely so um yeah it can be a hard watch i mean i was waiting for doug to get here for this conversation because i i kind of came, came in halfway through what he was saying to phil um before the podcast and I think what he was saying was probably what I would say but put a lot more concisely and pithily so I don't know what he thinks about if he wants to jump in is he not here if he's if he's even here he's probably doing more Hermes deliveries um it's just I just find it like and it's not even for me the the level like all the penalties and and the game being unwatchable i can't i can't bring myself to specifically make time to watch it even if it's on i'm genuinely contemplating watching something else like if if i happen to be in the house i'm not i'm not making time i'm not arranging my schedule whatever that might be um to watch a rugby match. I'm not sitting down on a Friday night with a, with a beer or a glass of wine to watch the Friday night match. Um, yeah. I, I think it depends on the match, doesn't it? But, but there's, because the league's got no stakes to it. I mean, whilst London Irish was a, was a half decent game in that, you know, there was some action in it, but it's because those two teams are in eighth and ninth. So they could do what they wanted. Well, they got you no, say- you say it was a half decent game because there was some action in it. One of the things that frustrates me at the moment, and it's I think it's partially driven by the the lack of any jeopardy for anybody other than those in fourth, fifth, and sixth. Um, but it's also partially driven by the 45G pitches, the fact that the weather's good. Um, and I think the fact that uh I think the the setup of the league and the way that points are scored on the league. How many tries do you reckon there were over the six matches this weekend? Well, there's about 400 against Bath, so. There were 57 tries over six matches this weekend. So, now, oh, no, 57, I, 57 tries in six matches. Yeah. I don't uh, want to watch an average of 9.6 or whatever it is. Yeah. Mm. I don't want to watch 10, 10 tries in a match. That's not why I watch rugby. If I want to watch people scoring all the time, I'll stick the basketball on, which I won't because it's a shit sport. Yeah. But, what, I mean, one of one of the Twitter group commented on on Twitter, um, and I want I want him to prove that he's listening to the pod by uh, by tweeting the group account with "It was me," um, saying that how how can we have a situation where a team play as dismally as some of the teams have this weekend, and yet they're still getting bonus points because they've scored four tries. Yeah. But they've conceded, they've conceded eight or nine tries. That system can't be right where they're scoring league points whilst having their pants pulled down and a massive black dildo shoved up their bum. It's, it's, it's just fundamentally. Why why does it have to be black, Phil? Uh, Because that's, that's, um, it oh, is, 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 it that, is that is that what you're saying is you know is um, because they're stereotypically big. 
Because they're stereotypically larger. Okay. And my my benchmark of a white penis is quite small. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> with your own penis being the benchmark. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I think Phil's Phil's got. A, you've you've all you've all made uh, a really a good point there about the the tries and bonus points and all that. I, I think it all stems from the fact that you play a twenty four game league season, but none of it matters because all that matters is the last three games. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, Le- Leicester could very well walk this league and get done by Saints in a knockout when Saints are not 50% of the team that, that, that Leicester are. That, that system inherently leads to a load of pointless games. And when you've got a, a league that seems intent on bringing a new audience like this fictional new audience that premiership rugby or or anyone that will listen wants to bring well we need to we need to grow the game you're not gonna grow like somebody's not gonna be watching football today and switch on london irish against whoever the fuck they drew against because i don't even know like wasps maybe was it wasps yeah it was wasps yeah and go, oh, fuck me, 41 all, I better stop watching football and watch rugby. No one's doing that. No. All you're doing is pissing off the people that actually like rugby. And and that's the if problem. I- like you say, this mythical this mythical new audience is is trying to be to be wooed into rugby at the expense of people that love the game already. And that to me just doesn't there, make any sense. There's a genuine, what I feel like, a disregard and disrespect for people that have watched and enjoyed rugby their entire lives. It's like our opinion doesn't matter. All that matters now is the opinion of noisy bitches on Twitter who bitch and moan about how the game that they claim to love isn't safe and it needs to be this and players need to learn and and, and caring about getting people who don't actually care about rugby to care about rugby, rather than the people that actually do, retaining their interest. What has rugby done in the last 10 years to actually retain the interest of people? People who are now watching championship rugby will have no interest in watching the premiership. They might as well set up their own league because the premiership has become its own thing. They, like they don't care about us, we don't care about them. It's interesting, isn't it? Because how, like, participation levels undoubtedly will have dropped over the last ten years. I, I, I don't know any figures, so I, I don't know at what level. But I go down. You know, I can only use Nuki as a point of reference and the clubs that we play against in a, from a mini perspective. And every, you know, every Sunday morning there is the best part of. 100 kids across the age groups at pretty much every single club. Would you agree with that, Phil? Yeah. yeah. And, um, and what where I'm saying about that is, though, Russ, that the people and the kids that are playing mini rugby, most of them will come from rugby families anyway. Yes, yeah, yeah, because, yeah, yeah. And, and they're getting to the point where they get to the end of minis and rugby becomes such a, bur- a time burden and time constraint on young lads that they don't want to do it. So they just leave once their parents stop helping them. Yeah. There's also the issue of premiership academies will scoop up anyone that's half decent. And this is, this is, I think, 
a larger problem for the game as a whole. They will scoop up any players who show any degree of ability and they'll keep them in that academy and they'll keep giving them fancy stashed and they'll keep telling them they're brilliant until they get to 16 and they don't get offered a contract. And then they're turfed out of these academies and they don't want to play for a lower league club. They don't want to play for a Nat 1 or a Nat 2 or even level 5. Well, because they've been sold. Exactly. If they're not playing premiership, they're not interested and they leave the sport. And that is dangerous for the sport as a whole because the quality outside the premiership will drop because these lads aren't being kept at clubs where they can actually make a difference. Yeah. And, and that's very few, few and far between. And where I, where I was kind of going with, with that, that point is that if you were to go um, around those mini sections, around those junior sections, around those clubs, I would be willing to bet that 70 or 80% at least do not give a shit about professional rugby. They don't make time to watch Premiership Rugby on BT Sport. They don't make time to go to their um, local Premiership club. And obviously for for us in Cornwall, that is Exeter. And then we've got the Cornish Pirates as well. Uh, And then sort of Plymouth Albion. Um, But even around the Midlands, even, um, you know, how how many of the clubs in the Leicester, Nottingham, sort of Coventry area um, would say, oh yeah, I'm a Northampton fan. I am a Wasps fan. I am a Leicester fan that would genuinely like make time to watch their team. And I think that is where the, the biggest problem is. And it's, and it's must've always been an issue because rugby support, like the, the diehard rugby fans, the people that have been involved in rugby for a long, long time, like ourselves, who who support teams who have like have semi-regularly attended grounds or have, have been following a team for a long time. Once once we stop going, once like and without meaning to marginalize, once our kind of generation move on and if we have already become apathetic how many other people have become apathetic about it where does it go from there because then they're not going to they're not going to sell out grounds they're not going to make any money clubs will then go to the wall which leads you know which is going to lead to a much poorer product which is going to lead to actually professional rugby dying out almost so there's a couple of uh, sorry, Phil. There's a couple of examples I'd like to give. Right, my my ex father-in-law is far season ticket holder. He has never played rugby. He's never. He didn't have any sons, and at the time, at the age my ex-wife is, there wasn't really women's rugby. So he's not contributed anything to local rugby. But he's a Bath season ticket holder, and I would guess that probably forty percent of of season ticket holders at rugby clubs aren't members of another rugby club. Rugby club. Okay. The other example I'd give is if you look at all the leagues in which promotion and relegation isn't a thing, the crowds are shit. The crowds are shit. Look at New Zealand's like provincial rugby. They don't get crowds, and they've got the uh, allegedly the best players in the world. You look at, consequently, 
the Maya 10 Cup and the... Oh, we've lost him. We might have lost Douglas. So what we'll is that? Because he's not the... Oh, sorry. Wasn't a good point anyway. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think... I, I know where you're going with it. And, you, and you're right. It's... Carry on. It's well, what, what could be done about it though? So, right, you know, we've we've said a lot of stuff that's wrong with the game at the moment. We've said, you know, what is disenchanting us about it. Um, so on the flip side, what what can we do? What do we need to do to reinvigorate our our love of of the game? Is it the game? You know, is it the way the game is being played? Is it the administration around the way the game is being played? You know, I don't want to go specifically into the level of officiating because it's fucking horrific. Um, But... But The level of officiating is horrific because the rule book is untenable. Yes, because it's, it's so monumentally complicated... That, so, um, and it's com- complicated because of the introduction of TMOs. Yeah. So, uh, in, I'll answer your question in a minute, Russ, uh, with some thoughts that I have. But before we get to that stage, I think one other issue that does need bringing up, you mentioned the 5G pitch. Um, as there are a lot of people saying that we need to move rugby to summer and make it summer sport as a, as a professional. Absolutely game. not. Hundred percent not. If you if you watched the the game on Friday night, Saints against Harlequins, Saints had three substitutions, four substitutions before. Yeah, they had four injuries before first uh, before half time. The ground is rock solid, and yes, these are professional players with uh, appropriately toned bodies. But when you lose that that give in the ground, we will end up with a lot more injuries and we will end up with a lot more fringe players playing and we'll end up with even less appropriate balance between attack and defence. But to me, there needs to be some level of jeopardy. And I think the RFU, Premiership Rugby, have cocked up by trying to expand the, the Premiership to 14 teams without having 14 teams with grounds that meet the standards. What was wrong with 12? 12 was working. Well, that's right. It's a stakeholder. It was but, because Premiership Rugby had 13 fucking stakeholders. Yeah. But we need to, I think we need to go back to the stage where actually there are too many games in the season now. If you have 20, 24 now going up to 26 league matches, plus however many European games, because they're just going to expand that and put more and more league into it plus the Mickey Mouse Cup um, there are just too, there's just too many games going yet, on yet they all wank which, on about player welfare well exactly but what it ends up happening is being third, fourth, fifth choice players playing because they're the only ones that are available versus um, uh, versus actually putting out a quality side and something worth watching every time I think we need to actually when the games are when the pitches are a bit wet and boggier, you get a bit better balance and a bit more. Yeah, you do attack versus defense. 
jeopardy into the games. You've got to have relegation. How can you? This whole ring fencing thing only works in areas where they don't have enough enough quality teams to have a competition. Well, and, and they're the making it work. It works where you've got the state paying for for the, for to have a number one team. It works for Leinster because they're it's state sponsored rugby. Um, but why we have this obsession with copying what's done in the southern hemisphere, I have absolutely no idea. People go, oh, it's the best, it's the best quality rugby because they're high scoring games. It's bollocks, they can't defend. Um, I think we need to get away from that and also work out some kind of bonus point system that encourages people to, yeah score some tries because that's entertaining but also to defend i i think you should you should only get a try scoring bonus point if you don't concede four tries and then mm. actually put a bit of pressure on the defenses as well and th- those are my thoughts stick with it as a winter sport go back to 12 sides drop the mickey mouse cup drop the european games back down to straight knockout bring in a straight knockout cup because they're always fun um uh and actually get first team players playing for the first team um and what was the other point that i made just then it was obviously crap um, yeah I I what it was. so the the other thing i will i will add into that mix phil is that now they've increased the number of teams so now we've got 13 teams in a, in a stupid fucking bye week um they now want to lower the salary cap so they're playing more games with less salary cap and which is going to thin the squads out, which is going to mean that the players are playing more games because the squads aren't going to be as, as big. And then as a consequence, the product becomes poorer because a, the best players aren't playing all the time because they're either injured or or having their their game time managed, and the the clubs can't afford to continue to pay the best the best players, and you know necessarily what they're worth. Oddly, on that, the one way we could have got around a little bit of player welfare with um, the reduction in salary cap would have been to have a 14 professional team because the players that all these teams have to trim would have ended up playing for, for Ealing. Yeah. So in terms of keeping players in employment, promoting Ealing would have been a good thing. Yeah, but they didn't want that, did they? They, they clearly did, didn't yeah. want it. And and that it is... Never, it, it should have been... Ealing should have... What, what would be the easiest thing in the world to do to alleviate this whole um, ground not being up to snuff um, issue would be change to say that if you... Well, change the regulations or just say that you have, to, you have to be declared before the season starts as to whether you can go up. Yeah. Why do you have to wait to the end of the season? And if you're not, if your ground isn't good enough to go up, the next best one whose ground is should should get a chance. 
But I mean, that, that Bath performance on Saturday is not worthy of being in the Premiership. So, so, so let's let's make a point on that then, because let's let's just look at that Bath team, and this is an absolute direct consequence of no relegation rugby, of no consequence rugby. So the Bath team included. Uh, well, it was uh, Morozov, Dunn, and Stewart, Williams, and Ewells, Falatau, Underhill, and Miles Reed. Then you've got Ben Spencer, Danny Cipriani, Max Clark, uh, Jonathan Joseph, Tom de Glanville, Joe uh, Thokinasiga, and somebody else Wilmier how how is that team having one having 64 points put on it two getting nilled and all it says to me is our beginning of May lads we're not you know we can't go down let's let's not get injured let's just fucking mail it in it's embarrassing Ben said it on Saturday, and he was 100% right. Um, Underhill played his absolute heart out and was shafted by his teammates. Um, so let's exclude him from the criticism because he, he played really well. But it's crap. Um, there, there is a systemic inherent problem in that club, um, and part of that has to, or a large chunk of it, has to sit on Stuart Hooper's shoulders. Um but yeah, they're they're booking their summer holidays, aren't they? How many of those yeah. bath players came through the academy? Uh good question. Well uh... Because it, 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 it would say to me that like no bath team in history has ever shown less fight for that club. And I wonder how if how much of that to, is to do with how many of the lads are actually from or around Bath? Understand and how many of the lads? How many of those lads actually uh, came through the academy? Now, if you look at someone like the successful teams, look at Leicester at the moment and the amount of lads that have come through their academy. Look at yeah. Saracens, yeah, Exeter. Northampton, Harlequins, Exeter. There is a direct correlation between how much you are willing to give and how close your links are to the club you're playing for. Look at the teams that are bad. Worcester. Bristol. How many of them have come through? Yeah, Bristol. How many of them have come through? Um, Newcastle's probably a bad example because they've got quite a few that have come through, but it's just, I think that they're not as talented. But they still fight and they still turn up. Um, London, London Irish. London Irish show that fight, don't they? Well, they, yeah, they, they've got probably the right mix. But So on the same day that... It, Bath- it, it seems... On Sorry, the same day that Bath lose 64-0, the number one thing they put on their website is they've confirmed seven new signings for next season. They're not going to sign their way out of, out of these problems. And of those signings, none of them are the kind of players that are going to turn their team around. There's a... Yeah, Piers Francis is a decent player, um, but he's not he's not a, a world-beater. Bearing in mind they're losing Falatau. He has got a bit of dog, which I don't think a uh, lot yeah. of their players have. No, correct. 
Dave Atwood's got a bit of dog, but he's about 97 now. Um, Chris Clutter, Louis Schroeder, Niall Annett, Matt Gallagher, Wesley White. Like, I'm sure they're all lovely chaps, but they're not they're not the kind of players that, that Bath need. What Bath need to do is sort their culture out. Well, Niall Annett has obviously been assessed by Steve Diamond and deemed not to be diamond enough. Yeah. So he's hardly going <laughs> to steal that Bath side up, is he? So you've got players who you've got, well, a player from Munster, one who doesn't really make Newcastle side all that often, one that Worcester don't really want, another one from Munster and somebody from Jersey. Like imagine if imagine Bath making a song and a dance about those kind of signings ten years ago. Yeah, it's just that you know, it's all it stinks of just balancing books and knowing that there's no consequence. Again, I keep put I keep bring I bring it back to consequence. There isn't any, and whilst there isn't any, the whole thing is fucked. Jobs uh, uh, look, that stadium in Bath is going to be full if me and you were playing. And not only that, they'll get their tele, tele money if we were playing. So their bottom line isn't really affected by the products on the pitch. But, okay, but what, what does that do for the rest of rugby? Because the premiership cannot be sustainable with with these levels of performances that what we're seeing and what we, you know, you expect, we expect to see some of these kind of dead rubbers towards the end of the season. Like this isn't a new end of season problem, but this, this is then starting to happen after 10 games because teams are already too far out of the way to, to get, get to the playoffs. Ben, you want to come in? Yeah. Um, I think Phil already partially said it, but everyone's so wound up. I was just letting you all let off steam. <laughs> um, I think Bath, that performance was only partially due to there being no relegation. There's, there's something absolutely rotten at the club at the moment because, you know, it was, it, that wasn't even an end of season on the beach kind of performance. It was far worse than that. It was, it was just a, a complete surrender. And, and yeah, Underhill was the only player that was really doing anything. I mean, one gloss to try absolutely summed it up. Underhill managed to get out and lay a hit on um, the 10, who was knocked over. And, but there were three Gloucester players around him and no bath players. So he just flipped the ball off the, gra- the ground and acted and went straight in under the posts because there was no, no other Bath player in the vicinity. And the fact that the TMO wanted to give a penalty as well, if the try hadn't been scored, just rounded the whole game off, really. And it was like, you know, if Atkinson didn't run into Underhill, where he would be stopped, he was just waltzing through tackles and offloading you know, at will. So, you know, it was just, maybe Bath's a bad example, but the fact that you've got, you know, a game between Leicester and Bristol with 80 points in it. You know, that, that's not a good sign for the league. And, you know, Irish and Wasps, you know, it's quite entertaining. And the last 10 minutes, you know, did have a bit of a, an inevitability to it. And, and it was quite entertaining to watch. But again, that was, there was no jeopardy in that game. 
So I do think that um, bringing back the relegation would definitely help. But I, I think we need to get away from the idea that lots of points equals lots of entertainment. And I think half the time they're willing to sacrifice a game with a flow and a, and a pattern or, or a narrative just to have good highlights. Like that, that game yesterday, you know, whoever runs the Premiership social media account must have been licking their lips because not only was it a 42-all draw, but the kid Arundel came on with 20 minutes to go and scored. Don't, you know, don't get me started on that, Ben. BT yeah. Sport making him man of the match for a 20-minute cameo because just because they wanted to make a big thing of this wonder kid. It's fucking yeah. bullshit. It's like when they made Nathan Hughes man of the match when he played that first game for yeah. Bath. But, you know, you can make a, a great 30-second Twitter clip for that, you know, can't you? You know, oh, here's this new new kid on the block and fair play to him. He played well and took his chances. But, you know, that that was a preferred outcome to them than a than a really good game of rugby, I think. Um you know, and I totally agree with someone said earlier, just cut down the number of games. I think the European Cup should just be eight teams. You know, if 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 the league I finished... To, I wouldn't mind it being 32 if it's straight knockout. Yeah. To, you know, I think that would be fine, you know, entertainment-wise. But, you know, we've, like, like we've said, still we're blue in the face about player welfare. Just cut some games out. Um, I was just going to say about... Um, I've lost my train of thought now. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, I think if if the league finished tomorrow and we moved into the knockout stages and it was Exeter Saracens at Sandy Park, I think we'd probably all tune in to watch that. Or if it was um, Leicester Harlequins in a knockout game, I think we'd all tune in to watch it. But there's just so little jeopardy in the league games. I mean, going back to Bath, do you know what Bath's last, last game of the season would have been? No. Well, it is, but do you know what it would have been? Leicester? Worcester. So it would have been Bath against Worcester, last game of the season. Relegation battle. Yeah, but as as it stands, that is a pointless game. And, you know, Doug's right, the ground will fill up, but that is not a good product. Uh, What is it, £35 a ticket? If you're lucky, yeah. Yeah. You're paying for the day out rather than the match, yeah. aren't you? I, I just don't know what the answer is or how how it gets improved because you can say what you want. The only thing that people care about at these clubs is, and look, I I work in rugby week in week out, and I make my my living from it, and I'm probably talking out of term, and you know, probably not being very sensible even making this podcast, but. I care about rugby and I want to see it. I want to see a good product and I want, I want, um, I want to be entertained. And, and I think all that matters at the moment is 13 clubs bank balances rather than the, the good of the game. And I, I can't see how that can be construed to be anything other than an absolute disaster for the game. And when you couple that with, a sort of very vocal minority of people clamouring for changes in the way the game's played and changes in the way the game's governed and changes in the way um, kids are brought into the game. 
I can only see it end in one way. And that, and like, rugby league struggles, right? Rugby league really struggles because it wants to be a mainstream sport and it wants to be really popular and make loads of money. But what rugby league will not do is compromise its sport and its core essence to try and appease people, to, to try and tease them into liking it. Now, it makes bad decisions all the time. But if a referee from Rugby Union and Rugby Union Twitter watched half a season of Super League, there would not be an unwet bed within 100 miles of any of these people. Because Rugby League won't compromise on the things that make it Rugby League. And it seems like the things that have made Rugby Union Rugby Union have all been sacrificed and they keep being sacrificed and it's 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 heartbreaking really because we're watching the game we all love disappear yeah yeah and like I say the 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 accounts on on twitter that that profess to want to be doing things for the good of the game like like rugby hasn't existed for years and years and years perfectly well you are never ever going to eradicate these like blows to the head people getting penalties and yellow cards when when they're bending at at the waist and contact is being made with the head at waist height like how can you possibly avoid like you and the more that that gets penalized the more it slows the game down the more it becomes it becomes more and more unwatchable because there's no you watch most games there's no natural flow to it anymore you know like when you the the yeah. normal ebb yeah, and yeah. flow of a game of rugby it 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 it's almost there, yes. it almost like doesn't I want to touch on that I want to touch on that because obviously you all know that I did the the army the army navy. navy game this weekend which was a game without a TMO um and with a couple of, you know, game sides of mostly national one or a few championship and in both teams' cases, professional players. But no TMO and a referee. Uh, Sarah Cox, Sarah Cox refereeing, who was brilliant, by the way. Um, and there was genuine shifts in momentum and, it, and none of it was driven by TMOs. She would make a decision and that was the decision. And if it was right or wrong, you just got on with it. And there was no dwelling on decision-making by the referee, by the TV crew. Now, that may have been... Oh, no. He's making a great point about the Army-Navy, and he's dropped out. Um, So who's the TMO, like, while whilst we wait for Doug to come back? Who, who do we think the TMO is for? Because actually, judging by what Doug was saying about the Army Navy game there, with that was brilliantly refereed on the day. Just decision. We don't know. Um, we lost all I of you there, Doug. Tell you that it was all that of was what you, of... Doug. All of what uh... you just said disappeared. Um, who is the TMO for? Is the TMO there for the good of the game? To or is the TMO there? to um, 
to make it a better view or, or to make it more of a, a viewing spectacle. Because if what Doug's saying about the Army-Navy game is is true, and he was there, so he will know, it, that it was a genuine, fast-paced, ebb-and-flow game of rugby between two very good sides, national one sort of standard, maybe even sort of lower championship. And it was allowed to be refereed properly and and got on with. So it's Russ, the problem. Please, I know you haven't got I know you haven't got a lot of time, Russ, and I know Phil and Ben you're in the same Mate, you can't can't hear you. We can't hear you. But what's the first harsh regardless of it not being the highest level of the game? Can you uh, Roger? Roger. <laughs> um, I was saying, Russ, I don't know if you can hear me now. Yeah. But please, if you can, what's the opening <laughs> half of that game? Because it, it was so it was so pure and just rugby. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it on YouTube, Doug? Yes. I've sent a link to the Degenerates group. Just watch okay. the first half. I'll, I'll watch it tomorrow night. There's genuine ebbs and flows. And, you know, for me, it was just what... And, and I don't know if my point got through earlier, but to me, it doesn't matter that it's not the highest level of rugby. The product is entertaining. And... <laughs> watch an entertaining product yeah yeah um, in answer to your question Russ who's the TMO for at the moment I think the TMO is there for progressive rugby the TMO is there for the people who need to know that rugby is doing something to for, for player welfare when the TMO first came in the TMO was there to make sure that decisions were right around tries. And you know what? If there's a potential try, I don't, I don't mind a 90-second, two-minute break for them to, to check. I think we've said it before, um, and, and I think, Russ, it may have been your initial suggestion or, or Dougie's, um, for these borderline card issues, quite a lot of the time the ref sees something and he goes, that's a card. That's fair, that's fair enough. You can make a decision there and then. For the ones that are that are borderline and he's not quite sure, or the TMO spots it, just just put it on report. Unless it's something where, like a Sonny Bill Williams to Anthony Watson, I'm going to try and take your head off with my sh- with my shoulder. If it's one of these mistimed tackles or player drops into a tackle, or we don't really know. Let's let's not worry about trying to make a decision in the heat of the moment. Yeah, let's just carry on and play some the, rugby. You, the you can being, see foul play line. You can yeah. see it. Yeah. it. It just stands out like a sore thumb, so, you know. And if if they're going back to check something and they have to have four replays in it, then it it wasn't that bad in the first place. So here's the thing: it's the definition of foul play. Is what the, what they're now defining as foul play. To me, foul play and a and a, and a genuine red card offence where someone could have got extremely hurt, or it's. Um, a deliberate act of foul play, right? A deliberate act of foul play. You A high tackle, like a high shot, you know, like these ones where they double tackle and then the the, the guy kind of dips and it all becomes a bit messy and, and nobody really knows what's going on, but, but ultimately somebody ends up with a red card. 
Um, that doesn't need to be a red card there and then. They could be, as you say, put on report afterwards. The, the whole game can be watched afterwards if you want and say, actually, that was a high tackle. You are suspended for a week. You need to change your technique. It's one week for the first one, two weeks for your second defence. And all of, and then you can have like a, a structure from there. But it doesn't need to be round and round and round in circles. Red cards, red cards should be reserved for picking somebody up and dumping them on their head. Alec Hepburn, Sam Warburton. Yeah. Um, actual that one in the, the one in the Quinn, uh, the Saracens game, the European game. Yeah. Where he punch, tried to decapitate him on yeah, the way through. Yeah, absolutely. Pun- punches, gouges, all of that kind of shit. There's always been a red card. No, fuck that. Punch me a yellow. Yeah, but, it's, but... Love a good you know, punch. Yeah, but... You see where I'm going, right? Yes. Yeah. Proper foul play, proper malicious or whatever foul play. A mistimed tackle, right? At, at the heat of the moment, at the speed the game has played, does not need to be analysed in slow motion for three, four, five minutes whilst two incompetent cunts can't get to the decision correctly, right? Because they're guessing, because they don't really know because it's too complicated. So take it out of their hands, right? Completely take it out of their hands, unless it's a proper swinging arm to the chin, right? Which they would have, the referee probably would have seen it anyway and been able to deal with it. And if it doesn't matter, like put it on report, get it dealt with afterwards, and then have some kind of retrospective framework, like I said, that says one game, right? The first time you do it is one game, then it's two games, then it's five games, whatever it is, until you get better at tackling, this is what's going to happen. Um, and that way, the game can be refereed by the referee on the field at all times. The minute you you listen to a TMO and they go, oh, there was a knock on. There was a knock on there. Knock on on the ground. Shut up. It's not your job. It's what the touch judge is there to see. If, well, abso- if the ref absolutely. doesn't see it and the touch judge doesn't see Play it. Play on. Exactly right. You don't need the TMO. The TMO going, oh, I think we need to look at this. I think we need to look at that. No, you prick. Speak when you're spoken to. Those are getting picked up as as a direct result of the people that we started to complain about two Lions tours ago that will make a gif of anything they think has gone against their team. And I think that's why now they've got the TMO literally looking for tiny knock-ons on the floor because else, you know, They'll be getting it on Twitter for a week of, of um, you know, Mr. Um, you know, Dave yeah, 1096321 from Auckland is making a GIF and that will go viral. It'd be like, what are these idiots doing? Couldn't they see this knock on? I think his, his name's Alex Popham. Uh, yeah. ben. That's the one <laughs> you're looking for. But yeah, that's like, you know, just a little knock on on the floor, but, but someone will spot it, you know, cause they've, decided to watch the game on, you know, ultra slow replay four times. And yeah. then, and then, you know, RF, uh, not the RFU, but the, the you know, rugby authorities have, have kind of almost understandably gone, well, we better take a look out for them. But what it's doing is almost every try now is looked at, you know, they're like, oh, I just want to have a look at that, you know, foot that was near the touchline. Or I just want to have a look at that rut just before. Um, and it, it, again, it just slows it down, breaks it's, up the flow. Uh, it's quite nice when you get a TMO who goes, I've checked that, carry on. Or who's who's a bit proactive. I don't need to put it up on yeah. the screen. 
Um, yeah, try's good. Carry on. Just crack on. Um, I, I'd just like to say I, I did just refer to um, to potentially premiership referees as a pair of incompetent cunts. Uh, they are my views and not the <laughs> views of any other people that appear on this podcast. Um, just to make that clear. The, the, the better the ref, the more they let go. Like Stuart Barnes, he doesn't have to really have a lot to prove you know he's retiring soon so he does let more go I think and and let's play go on and I think probably Luke Pierce does as well um there's a there's a few times as well where they'll they'll put the TMO in their box yeah will be like oh I think you should I think there might have been a knock-on and they'll go no I'm happy with it I don't care what you think I'm happy with it we're playing rugby yeah crack on and that's where the likes of Dixon and like I mean, those those Dixon's red cards, just those, fucking appalling. That I mean, and for um, and what frustrates me is that they want they want to, you know, we want to actually have ex players as referees because you think that there would be a bit more empathy. That that those two red cards in the Newcastle match the other week, I think you were there, Doug, weren't you? Those two referees, yes. uh, sorry, those two red cards that I saw that saw afterwards. What was the most ridiculous thing that was that was football level red cards where they put their heads into each other and it's just like what is going on? And to be fair, talk, talking of football, I can't remember if it was last season or two seasons ago, VAR was taking it over completely in football, yeah. and they have reined it in quite a lot. You know, they've 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 um, improved the process. And it is still intrusive at times, but it's not nearly as bad as it had been. So you can look at what's happening and go, this isn't working. Let's just make it a little bit less dominant in the decision-making process. Um, you know, sometimes, you, you will, like we said, there was four tries disallowed in the first 10 minutes of the bath game. But, but the refs said, I want to have a look at that. I want to have a look at that. And I want to have a look at that. So he must have an idea something's going on. So, you know, is it better? Well, it, it probably is better from what Doug was saying that he just makes a decision. Yeah. The referee, the referee's job specifically is to make decisions. And there are far too many examples nowadays where the TMO it feels like they are having a direct influence on that decision. All that should happen from the TMO is that they flash up on the screen via the director or via like via the, the, the TV pictures, the pictures that best show an incident and then shut their fucking mouth. No, I, I actually think you need to go further. I think, and they, they trialled it as an addition in Super Rugby, but I think it should just be the only way the TMO is used. should be a bit more like the DRS in cricket. Each team should have two two TMO referrals in a match. Oh, uh, wouldn't work. Wouldn't and work if in rugby. And if they're proven to be right, they keep them. And if they don't, they lose them. I just, other than that, the TMO can keep supping his beer. I don't, I don't mind the TMO being there. Like, I don't mind the TMO being involved when there are major decisions to be Head made. Just to fire a flare. The declare flare. Yeah, fire a flare. Yeah. 
be drama. Love it. I just, look, I just think they should only be there for tries. Yeah, or deliberate acts of foul play. Well, you, but the problem is with deliberate acts of foul. Well, the foul play should be spotted by the referee and referred to the TMO. Yeah. Not can you check that because I'm not confident but, but, that I've got it right. But but that's my point around the TMO, which says the TMO is there to show the referee a better angle of something that may or may not have happened. It's not to directly influence because bear in, like the referee can see it all on the screen. It's not like they're 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 talking to the TMO and the TMO is the one that's watching it on the screen and he's relaying the information back. The referee can see it. So all the TMO needs to do is go, right, I've got the pictures for you. This is what it is. Not have a direct impact. It shouldn't even be a discussion, right? It shouldn't be a discussion. It should be, here's your pictures, make your decision, let's move on. So then you don't need a TMO. What you need is a, a somebody with some kind of technical skills like Douglas. Maybe that's right. Maybe you don't, maybe, maybe you don't need a, you know, an actual referee or what you do is you have specific um, TMOs as in, I know that, um, is it Rowan Kit? I know he, he does it, doesn't he? Like specifically, but don't have referees and their mates TMOing for each other. Have a specific set of TMOs. Do it like like they even even with the VAR like they if in football they do it it's referees doing it with referees like they're they're busy mates and they don't want to show each other up it's 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 a weird thing right so let the referee make the decision always because it's he's the one with the whistle and it's just another example of of why why rugby is kind of in the state that it's in. And that's worldwide. Except at the Army-Navy game, which uh, was fantastic. And thanks for supporting me, lads, by watching it live. <laughs> Sorry, mate. I was, uh, I was playing cricket with my daughter. So <laughs> Actually, Justin did say that. Yeah. How was he on comms? I'm gonna, I am going to oh, watch I don't it. Know. He was doing radio, mate. So I don't How was know. he? Yeah. I, was, I was trying to deal with a split oil tank. Oh, but... We've got the excuses, haven't we? <laughs> We've got them worked out. Yeah. When's when's the next game for uh, for broadcast? Sure at the moment, mate. We're we're, uh, we're processing at the moment. There's a lot nice. of uh, internal um, process stuff. management to uh, unravel. Unravel, yeah. Can't beat process management. Oh, mate. There's there, there's a uh, yeah. There's some interesting dynamics that need working out. Yeah. But it was fun. It was real fun. Good. Um, yeah. Good, good. Um, yeah, seriously. If you want to watch a pure game of rugby, that was it. Well, let's put it up. We'll put the um, we'll put the link on our Twitter for people to watch it if they've not already watched it. Doug, did you make up with Sam Matavesi? <laughs> uh, he actually scored a very good try. And I haven't got a problem with Sam Matavesi. I think he's... <laughs> You know, um, uh, probably a very lovely man. I've got no personal issue with Sam Atavesi. He played number eight for the uh, 
army uh, with Navy yesterday. Interesting. He's a good player. Yeah. Um, but he isn't Dylan Hartley, which was what your point was. He is not Dylan Hartley. That was my entire point. There you go. Um, One of I, the best hookers that's ever played rugby. I feel, you know, I do feel like I've done a lot of moaning tonight. Um, probably because I have. But I, I felt like I needed to get it off my chest a little bit. And maybe well, everything we've said has been valid, mate. I, I honestly, were I not working on the last two rounds, I, I, I almost certainly wouldn't watch. No. And last weekend, I had the option of watching the rugby or the motorbikes. And I chose the motorbikes. And I bet if you did a poll, I bet if you did a poll of people that weren't going, how many would genuinely go out of their way to sit down in their front room and watch rugby as opposed to be already being sat down and then being nothing else on? How many would actually would be interested in watching? And I reckon the numbers would be relatively low in comparison to what they've been in previous years. Agreed. So, you know, that's the way that rugby's going. And it's not because of all the fucking concussion bullshit that everyone wanks on about. It's because the 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 whole thing, job's fucked. So, uh, right. Anyway, let's go on to some any other business. Should we, should we talk about anything else? Do you want to talk about any other rugby-related stuff? Is there anything I, you want to talk shall about? I say some po- shall I say some positive things? Yes, Ben. Right. So, we sort of complained about how bad Bath were, but Gloucester were pretty good as well. Um, so other than the obvious sort of Reese Amit and Harris who played very well, I was really impressed with Chapman, the scrum half. thought he was really good. Um, and also um, Alemanu, the second row, really good as well as, you know, you sort of your Ackermans and people like that. Um, so, you know, fair play there, you know, some good performances. Um, Freddie Stewart still exists, so not always bad in rugby. Did you see that um, that thing on rugby? Was it Rugby Inside Line? I think they put it out saying, oh, you know, yeah, Arundel and Maylins and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. And, like, no. Freddie Stewart has been the best, one of the best things to happen to English rugby in the last 12 months. Why is that even a question? Next. Yeah, exactly. He's, yeah, it he's was, in- how, how do you choose between Freddie Stewart, Tommy Freeman, Max Maylins, and Her- Henry Arundel? It's pretty, very, pretty very simple. You use your eyes and pick Stewart. Correct. I think Arundel, Arundel's going to be a good player, but we got to stop. We got to stop doing this. It's yeah, embarrassing. He's played, he's played like six games. So yeah, embarrassing. And he could he could decide to play for Scotland. Yet yeah? they said in commentary he's eligible for. I think it was Scotland, Wales, England, and Cyprus. So I. <laughs> I don't. I'm not really interested in what in what other people are saying, but I, I was just reading the replies, and one of them, Stewart can't do what Maylands and Aaron do do with the ball. Stewart is an average person. I don't really care what kind of person he is. <laughs> what? In what an context are they calling him an average person? It's time to realise the evidence. Aerial skills are secondary. Stewart is not a good attacking player. Aerial skills are secondary. He is the, the best player in the air globally that there's been for probably 10 years. Um, I'm, I'm going to put it out there that, that one of the most important facets for a fullback is the ability to catch. Catch. Fuck's sake. I mean, these people. Who is uh, this idiot? Honestly. Shame. I don't know. Shame, Shame him. him, Phil. 
Anyway. Uh, he's Eric at XCNAHX. Oh, God. What a, what a handle. He's following nine people and has one follower. I want to know how he knows sure he's, he's uh, uh, Freddie Stewart's an average person. Anyway, yeah. Um, you're right, Ben. Gloss. And Phil just stopped at Gloss. Yeah. Never mind. I mean, technology's been great this evening. Um, I, I have nothing to add on that. No, I was going to say... <laughs> good, because uh, you, you, had, you, had, you had nothing to you had nothing to add anyway. Put it all together. The problem is... No, no. Right. Um, let's let's move on. Any any other rugby related stuff you wanted to, to talk about, or should we just get into some any other business and then and then go? Because it's European rugby this week as well. Maybe I'll tell you what we should do. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Maybe we should um I'll speak to Adam and next week we'll bring back a punch and chat because that was always fun. At least yeah. then we can have some fun and we'll do some punch and chat and maybe do some other different types of stuff all kind of rugby related or whatever, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get going again and, and hopefully things become a little bit more exciting and we can look forward to some summer tours. So uh, there you go. Ben, do you have any other business? No, I don't. Okay, mate. Thanks a lot. Doug. <laughs> uh, go onto YouTube and watch the army V Navy uh, for a great game of rugby. And that's about it. Okay, we'll make sure we tweet that link out. We'll tweet it out. We'll make sure everybody sees it and go and watch it. Phil, anything from you? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, Doug put a post in the group chat about somewhere where he went up north to a sports event. I think it might have been darts, where it was £7.50 for a can of Strongbow dark fruits or something ridiculous. Um, I've just seen the price list for the House of Commons bar. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. Pint is pint is two pound ninety. Is it all heavily exactly. subsidised by the taxpayer? Exactly, it's fucking so, ridiculous. Sounds like the see. This is always puzzled. Like bar Bentley Priory, mate. Well, yeah. I mean, you could argue that most of that was free. Um, what I will say is, it it frustrates me massively that you know, especially in the military, it sounds that's like two pound ninety for a pint in the, the House of Commons bar or whatever. Sounds like being in the sergeant's mess, and like you, the higher you, the higher you rank, the cheaper everything gets. Yeah. So you get paid twat loads more and pay less for stuff. Yeah, it's, it's the weirdest. But um, I've got a, and any other business that's been hanging over since the last time we podded, which makes implies that it's going to be good, but it's not. Um, whenever you listen to pods, there's always. Uh, a load of adverts being thrown in, apart from ours. Um, I mean, there are there are some adverts in ours now. Sorry about that. Oh, are there? Okay, yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening. Some of the stuff that ends up getting <laughs> advertised, you end up like you get sucked into it, and it turns out that it's crap. Like beer fifty two. Sign up for a beer um, delivery service. Get your first crate dirt cheap. Gets delivered, but it all tastes like ass for want of a better term. It's absolutely horrible craft beer that just tastes like, I'd, it's just horrible mank stuff. I'd just like to and confirm yeah, this all... is not an advert for Beer 52. No, <laughs> correct. 
Um, but I've, I've tried various different things off the back of these adverts. If they actually made some decent products, they might get some repeat business, but there's a load of crap product going out there off the back of a load of adverts that people are paying for that like, yeah, a, a, a meal delivery service, signed up to a meal delivery service, got a load of stuff through, half the veg was off and there were things missing left, right and centre. Well, I'm not going to go back there, am I? Um, and it's just, yeah, people spending inordinate amount of money on marketing before they get their product right. Does my head in. Anyway, I've, I've tried to be politically correct and avoid those that might be advertising on our show. Uh, I don't think I don't think they'll be advertising on our show, so that's fine. Um, I haven't really got anything either. Um, I've started playing cricket again. Um, I've realised I'm still not great. I still like to hit the ball very hard, but it's been absolutely tremendous to actually play cr- adult cricket with my 12 year old daughter. I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much as I have. And she played it for misfields. Uh, yeah. Good. Um, but they've got, they've got, before, sorry, before you go any further, Ross, you, you, you would be one of the better cricket players that I've played with. You are far better than you're giving yourself credit for. You're one of these annoying people who's really good at lots of sports, but just puts yourself down and says you're crap. So I'm I, not having I, that. Thank you. You want to see somebody who's who's crap at cricket? Show you people who are crap at cricket. Yeah, all right. You are I, not. I'm, I'm, I'm bang average across the board. But what I would say is, so we played our first match last week. Erin um, opened. Erin and I opened the batting. Um, which was which was an experience, and I got out before she did. I was going to say, tell me she ran you out. Well, she didn't. She didn't run me out, but I got out before she did, and then she batted at three on Saturday, and uh, again, um, I opened, and she came out to bat at the fall of the first wicket, obviously, and then I got out before she did. So, you know, she's doing really well, and it's impressive, and her and her bowling's been brilliant. So, what I'm just really excited. Like that I get to actually play proper sport with her, which is really cool. And hopefully, you know, if I can still walk in 10 years time, I might just be able to sneak onto the rugby field with Sam and we'll see what happens. But uh, that's, that's got to be the dream. And I played yesterday for Western Supermare Vets against Horsham Vets. And you mentioned that um, AGR pitch. It was really nice to play on. I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised. It was relatively soft to land on. It was no worse than playing on a, um, you know, a, a fairly hard pitch end of season or, or pre-season. Um, I could imagine it get it could get pretty repetitive every week, but it was good. You know, I enjoyed it. And and they were all pretty pissed. So I, I looked like a wizard. How did you play? 12. Enjoyed it. It was very much enjoyable. Speaking of someone who's sort of started to come into their own about mid-October, I'm, I'm against it. <laughs> I like it, yeah. It is very... I'll tell you what, it's, it's noticeably fast. It's weird when you, like, you feel like you're running faster on it. Does it increase the differential between the fast people and the slow people? Because if it does, I'm not having any of it. Yeah, that, think, that was I kind think, of what I was thinking. I think it definitely does. Yeah, no, not interested. Give me a no, white boggy pitch I'm out. day. Give, give me Bodmin's second pitch. Yeah. Fair one. Right. Well, let that was that was good. Get a few things off our chest. Um, 
we'll we'll be back next week with with potentially a punching chat or or something anyway so you do get to hear our, our delectable voices thank you to all those that do listen if you've got this far thank you for putting up with any technical issues and other bits and pieces that uh, that we've gone through this evening and we will see you all uh next week if you got this far tweet us with the hashtag it's good to be back oh good i like that well done anyway go well Podcast Network.